0: of how to hear God in a crisis. So oftentimes we don't take the time to develop our sensitivity and how to hear God in when we're not in a crisis. So when we actually do get in a crisis, we freak out, and it's all external, and we're looking for things out here to try to discern what God is saying or what he's doing. And if there's negative things out here that are... <laughs> you know like actual real input for us then it, we get all confused. So right now some of you are in the midst of crisis and maybe you haven't taken the time to develop maybe you're not maybe you don't have a certain way to hear God in your life and you're trying to now and it doesn't seem to be working. Well, that would make sense. But I think I've got a way and I think God gave me a revelation of how to talk about this today and just settle our hearts and settle our minds. Some of us have lost, some of you have lost your jobs. Some of you know people that are sick, maybe you're looking at, you know, you're involved in a particular area of the economy or the healthcare system or the world in general where, you know, it's more, you're more touched by it. You're more impacted by it. Most people aren't really that impacted by it except for in their economic situation. So I will talk about some specific areas. But this is what was on my heart all week long, and it's the, it's the story from Matthew 4, if you wanted to flip over there. But Jesus has just been anointed. He goes to John the Baptist to be baptized. The Spirit of God falls on him to anoint him to step into his public ministry of being the Messiah and empowerment in that moment. Just like Jesus received and walked under the power of the Holy Spirit, we need to also. So... At this point, he's then led into the wilderness to be tempted of the enemy. Now, this is is not the point of my message, but this is a good point. There are lots of things that Jesus went through for us, so we don't have to go through them. This is one of those. It very clearly says that Jesus was led of the Spirit to go into the wilderness to be tempted by the enemy. Now... You go back to Job and a misinterpretation of the story of Job looks like that God is enticing the devil into Job's life to tempt him, but that's actually not what's happening. And so then we hear that we must suffer with Christ and people jumble all these things together, not really realizing the calling of the Messiah and what he did for us and the things that he went through for us so that we don't have to. Being led by the Spirit of God into a situation where you are going to be tempted by the devil was uniquely for the Messiah to accomplish and destroy on our behalf. That means when the enemy comes to you, you don't have to sit and face that temptation because Jesus defeated him for you. Now, then James goes on to teach us that when we're tempted, we're tempted by our own lust. And enticed and then it develops into sin now of course the enemy can come and lie to you and it's up to you whether or not you're going to believe those lies sometimes you're already thinking in agreement with those lies that come in you know he is spirit and i I talk about you know every time i mention the enemy I, i talk about it this way in terms of like radio frequency and i think how we perceive spirit is much like a radio perceives radio signals there are signals all over the planet all the time, in this room, in your home, and if you have the right receiver and you turn it to the right frequency, you will hear the messages that are coming from that the place of origin. So in other words, like Sarah mentioned, the Joy FM, which is 93.3 for us here, you turn it to that frequency, you will pick up that broadcast. If you're thinking and your heart beliefs are in tune with the lies of the enemy, you will entertain that. And if you entertain it long enough and it becomes a belief, like a core belief for you, that will then become a stronghold. And the belief is the stronghold, not the devil in your life. As soon as you eradicate that erroneous belief, the enemy has nothing to reinforce and hold on to. So the demon itself or the enemy or whatever you want to call it is not the stronghold, the belief is. You tear down the belief, the false belief, the stronghold, which is in your mind, and then the enemy has nothing to hold on to, and it's gone forever. You just don't even entertain that stuff. There are some of you, you know what, you know exactly what I'm talking about, those negative thoughts and those fears that you used to have, and you've, you discovered your identity in Christ, and you started to affirm your victory in Christ, Christ's victory for you. You just don't entertain that stuff. Now, one of the greatest ways the enemy will come at you is to attack your identity. And this is what he did with Jesus in the wilderness. He said, You know, so you look at the baptism of Jesus and he had just been anointed. God spoke, which is a whole nother topic that I'll briefly dive into. (laughs) We got time today. So, um, some people heard God speak clearly, talking about at the baptism of Jesus. Some people heard God speak clearly. Some people heard a jumbled voice. Some people heard what sounded like lightning. Now, did God determine which one was going to hear lightning and which one was going to hear his voice? Maybe, but I don't think so. I think it was where each one of those people were in their own hearts. One heard lightning, you know, like like a loud voice and, and wasn't not tuned to how God speaks and couldn't hear God, couldn't hear the clear message that he was speaking audibly to everyone standing by that could hear I mean, imagine that. Imagine you're standing at the baptism of Jesus and you hear a voice from the sky and you see the Holy Spirit descend. All of this was visible in that moment. What an incredible moment. So Jesus in the the area that so you just saw Jesus in this baptism. God said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And then what did the enemy do? He attacked him in his identity. He attacked in, if you really are the Son of God. You know, that, that's the original temptation all the way back. Did God really say that you're the Son of God? Are you really the Son of God? If you are, then prove it through external behavior. Man, mm, mm, mm. toxic religion does to the body of Christ what the devil did to Jesus in the wilderness. In other words, prove your Christianity by your performance. Don't they? Everybody in here is nodding. (laughs) Think about that for a minute. How many times have you been in a legalistic environment and you've been made to feel like either you're not a good enough Christian or maybe you're not even a Christian because of how you're performing? That is a doctrine of devils to judge whether or not you're a Christian by your performance. It just is. It just is. There's no way around it. Now, of course, the born-again believer should produce fruit. Of course. You know, should we continue in sin now that we're under grace? Of course not. But it's weird how people hear that. Like, I know how the devil thinks. He thinks you're... That, that's where that comes from, anyway. Let me, get, let me keep on topic here. The enemy came at Jesus to question his identity... And it's the same thing that happens to us. Did God really say? So this passage here is what I want to focus on. This is Matthew 4, verse 3. And the tempter came and said to him, if you really are the Son of God, command that these stones become... Now, keep in mind, he had been fasting. This was toward the end of the 40 days also that the enemy showed up. You know, he waited till he was good and weak physically. Uh... So command these stones, if you are, then do this. If you are, then prove it through your behavior and your performance. Should we bear fruit? Of course. Should we live worthy in the righteousness that we've been given? Of course. Should we be holy because God is holy? Of course. All of that stuff is a fruit of the Spirit within us. But don't you dare let a legalistic performance-based system, judge you based on some mistakes that you made. Don't continue in those. Trust God for the grace, but don't let yourself be defined by your failure. I just, I just felt like focusing on that for just a minute, and now we'll keep going here. So verse 4, But he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Now, if you're a good charismatic, this throws you into the performance of having to hear God, right? Because that's usually what we hear. So I, what I need to do is live by those words that are coming out of God's mouth. I was watching. I tried to pull up a clip Uh, there's a movie, Sarah's laughing, but there's a movie that I was going to try to pull a clip in of uh, Chris Tucker and Jackie Chan, and they first meet in rush hour, and uh, Chris Tucker doesn't know if he speaks English, and he walks up, and he says, do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? And it's just, it's hilarious. But then it goes into some filth, and filth, and we don't want to show that in church anyway. So... (laughs) Man shall not live by bread alone, but I could see God doing that. Do you understand the words? Anyway, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Now, you've probably been like, oh my goodness, I, I, could, I could live better if I know what words are coming out of God's mouth. Like I could, it'd be really great if I could hear God right now, and that's what we relegate it to. I have to hear what he's saying right now, but... This is what God showed me. It's not about... Okay, let me me find this one phrase here. I actually posted it on. This is the phrase here that I heard. You don't need a new word. You need a living word. Whether it's 3,000 years old or three seconds old. You don't need a new word. You need a living word. God has spoken. There are words that have come out of his mouth. And those you can take and you can take to the bank. You can stand on the words that God has spoken so that when He does speak, it's alive within you. His word is alive. And this is where we're going today. We're talking about living in a place where you are living from the words that have come out of God's mouth, whether they be in your past, in our ancient history of the planet or even in this moment right now. Don't make it, don't limit yourself to having to discern the voice of God in this moment. Because in a crisis, you're probably not going to. In a crisis, you're probably going to mix a little bit of fear, mix a little bit of doubt, mix a little bit of news, mix a little bit of this, maybe a little bit of scripture also, and you come up with a recipe for doubt. You come up with a recipe for confusion. So that was the idea that I feel like he really put on my heart this week is that It's about knowing the word, knowing what he has said so that you can live from that until it becomes alive within you. Now, that's going to be your homework this week and for the rest of your life. Take the word of God and meditate it and assimilate it and chew on it and abide within it until it becomes alive within you. Can you take a 3,500-year-old promise from God Think about it until the point that it actually becomes alive in this moment right now that it brings encouragement and nourishment to you. Where it actually, you know, I was thinking about this message, and I was thinking about Michael Owens. And Don is probably watching in the Owens family, and, and we all miss him. But that was one of the things that he would say to me like all the time. He would say, I just feel full. And he would point out, you know, Michael would point out that people would stick around church for a long time and talk, and that's something that we... Enjoy the community aspect of this church here. But he would always point it out to me, and I just would, I loved it every time. And he did it often. But he would say, You know, I feel full. And he would say, Look around, all of these people that are staying connected together. To finish my story about Michael Owens, uh, I, I would love that. You know, often, regularly he would say, You know, he, and he would point out that a lot of people would stay around in this church and talk and just love on each other. And he would say, I feel full. And he said, this is what happens when you actually feed the people. And he was very encouraging, and and I miss that, and we miss him. But um, I probably had another point on that, but we'll we'll keep going here. Mm -hmm. Back on where we were, the Word of God being alive within you, it doesn't matter if it's 3,000 years old or three seconds old. Can you take that word and let it be living within you to the place that it actually nourishes you? So this is another thing that I feel like God spoke to me this week is, if you want to know what God is saying, be intimately familiar with what he has said. And, you know, there's nothing that's going to be groundbreaking or earth-shattering in these things, but maybe a little bit of a fine-tunement Maybe a little bit of religious detoxing here of uh, shedding the mindset that living by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, in your mind, maybe that means I have to hear what God is saying right now. Well, you're probably not going to when you're in a crisis because that's what we're talking about, how to hear God in a crisis. The point being, can you go back to the Word of God, meditate on it, sit within it, and find something that's alive for you in this moment that it actually brings it brings comfort, it brings peace, it brings strategy for how to move forward, it brings clarity of what God is doing in this moment because he will do what he has done, especially if Jesus paid for it, amen? So, let me ask you this. What do you think of when you think of the phrase, We live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God, or every word that comes out of the mouth of God. Just think about that for a minute. Like, where do your thoughts go when you hear that taught by Jesus, that we don't live by bread alone, we live by every word that comes out of the mouth of God? And maybe you recognize that you did have that mindset, well, I have to hear him in this moment right now. So the question is, how do you hear the words that are coming out of his mouth? Maybe a little bit out of order to answer that question. How do you hear him? And, and people hear him different ways. You know, the, and the message is always the same. He's going to affirm who he is, who Christ is. You know, I love that in Hebrews. Hebrews gives us a beautiful picture of the new priesthood of Christ, who Christ is for us under this new covenant. And all the promises, you know, it's, it's ba- this new covenant, this eternal covenant of peace is based on better promises. So how do we hear? How do we hear God in the moment? And that's where I want to go back to this. If you want to know what God is saying, be intimately familiar with what he said. Now, the word intimately is key because it's not just, oh, I know John 4 too. Oh, I know Matthew 3, whatever. It's not just knowing what the Bible says. And there are some people that will approach Scripture from an academic perspective and stand in a place of, you know, proud of themselves, let's say. I'll say it, that's as nice as I can say it, that they, that they know it better than other people. Therefore, that makes them a better Christian or, or something. You know, it's weird how it's, it's an academic book for a lot of people. But we do need to know what it says, but not just what it says, but understanding that those words came out of God's mouth. And just like God, if he's got a mouth, he's got a tongue. And the power of life and death are in the tongue. And that's the thing. Can we let him and the power of the words that he has spoken be alive for us in this moment when you're in a crisis, apart from feeling like you have to discern some message from God? Now, he is alive. He is speaking, but he will affirm what he has spoken. There's a rest in God that we experience as we allow his word to be alive In us, so I want to talk about that rest for just a minute, and I'm going to go through Hebrews four. We're actually just going to read the whole chapter here, starting in verse Uh, one. Again, this is talking about this is talking about the uh, the Israelites and how they tested God and tempted God. When it talks about the temptation in the wilderness, it's that they tested God. God brought them out. God protected his his the family through which he would birth his Messiah into the earth, and so much of what we see God doing back then, uh, especially after Noah and once Abraham stepped onto the scene and God made his promise to Abraham for future generations that his seed would be a blessing and we are his seed by, because we have faith in Christ, you see the history of Israel and, and, and most of what God is doing that seems to be judgment or what people will call genocide, you know, all the anti-biblical people. If you understand that God made a covenant with the with Abraham and his children, he had to protect them. He had to defend them. To keep his own word, he had to even wipe out Nephilim nations to protect the bloodline. So much of that, you know, describes what... Uh, Hebrews is talking about, but I love how it starts off in Hebrews, and it says that in time past, God spoke in various ways through the prophets and this and that, but now has spoken to us through his son. And then he goes through this whole discourse that the son is from him, and that the son even is God. And, and it's, it's incredible if you really can break it down. So I want to go back. So th- this, is how, this is where we're going to put our focus for the reading through uh, Hebrews chapter 4, that there is a rest in God that we experience as we allow his word to be alive within us. And we're talking about how to hear God in a crisis, whether it be what's going on in the entire planet right now, or maybe you're having a personal crisis, whether it be a repetitive sin habit, which unfortunately in isolation, I know people are making really bad decisions, decisions that you don't want to, fear-based decisions, destructive patterns that you might be running because you are we're all having to distance from... You know, people, and I'm not making social commentary about health right now. I'm talking about humanity. I'm talking about the psychology that we slip into when we are not interacting with people. In isolation, anything becomes believable. You can rationalize anything when you're alone. You can talk yourself into anything when you're not engaged, when you're not living a life outside of just your own bubble. So let's go through Hebrews 4. We good? Okay, therefore let us fear if while promises remain, if, if while a promise remains of entering his rest, any one of you may seem to have come short of it. For indeed we have good news preached to us just as they also, but the word, I'm going to read from up here, it's clearer. Uh, for indeed if we have had good news preached to us, just as they also, but the word they... Now, who's they? We're talking about the Israelites. We're talk, this is the description of why they wandered in the wilderness for so long. This is why they only got water and not also honey out of the rock. God said, I wanted you to get honey out of the rock. This is why they stayed stuck for so long. And this is why the the, the groaners and the complainers couldn't leave that wilderness and go into the promised land because their hearts were not at a place where they could receive the promise. This is the description that he's talking about. And there's a warning for us because he's saying there's a promise even beyond what they didn't inherit. It's spiritual in nature, but it's also physical in, in uh, enjoying the blessings of Abraham. But here's why they couldn't experience the promise that God had spoken to them. They were in the middle of having been delivered miraculously to following God into the next version of the promised land. Let me just unpack this a little bit more. They they had just experienced radical deliverance. They were in the wilderness with a promise that God was manifesting physically to lead them into the promised land. See, that's where we are. That's That's Jesus saying that when you pray, if you believe that you have received, it will be yours. See, they had received deliverance, but the promised land will be theirs. We're in the exact same place. We have been delivered from the power of darkness. We have been given everything that pertains unto life and godliness. We have all of the promises of God are yes and amen. We have been cleansed and made righteous. We have been given the Holy Spirit. We have the Spirit of the living God within us leading us and guiding us into all truth. We have everything in us because the kingdom of God within us. And if we believe, it will be ours. Now, why could they not? Now, so that wilderness is a picture of where we are in our Christianity, and that is the kingdom is within us. You go back to Mark 4. He's talking about the, the description that he gives there about the heart receiving the, the fruition of the kingdom seeds within it and experiencing everything that God is within us. That's what Mark 4 is all about. And then it's the description is, the explanation is, here's how it works. So fall like a farmer, cast seed in the ground, goes to sleep. He wakes up. He doesn't know how it happens, but it bears fruit of its own kind the fruit that should be born into our lives are the character attributes of who God is, the promises that he's made that are in Christ. So the things that Jesus paid for, we should be able to believe unto manifestation. Just like the children of Israel were delivered in the place of following God, but some of them could not go into the promised land, why? Is that clear enough? All right. Why? For indeed, we have had good news preached to us, just as they also, but the word they heard, just like us, did not profit them because it was not united by faith in those who heard. Another translation said, they didn't mix faith in their hearts with the promise. Now, I'm not sure if you grasp grasp how, how significant this is. Mixing faith with the promise. A lot of us hear promises spoken, but we sit back and we test God. Well, God, if you said it, then I should have it. And I've done this, 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 and this, and I still don't have it. Why? Imagine the children of Israel wandering in the desert, the ones that couldn't go into the promised land because they complained and groaned and all of that stuff. They tested God. They they. Compl- they They had been delivered. In a sense, for us, we have been delivered. We are saved. Now, they weren't born again. We are born again. And it's like we're doing the same thing. We're complaining because God is not performing for us. Even though He is. if we could see what he's actually doing for us, it's better than a pillar of fire and a cloud by day and food coming up from the ground. There is a nourishment that we have in our spirit that we can live from, that can become even promises within our lives. How does it work? It's like a farmer, casts seed in the ground, wakes up, goes to sleep, doesn't know how. I think that the the Christian world that is open to the move of the Spirit in their life gets in trouble because we try to explain what Jesus didn't even explain. In other words, the seed, how the seed grows. How does it work? The farmer doesn't know, but it produces after its own kind. And that's where faith comes in. Do you trust that that seed within you will produce within your life? Well, how? You don't know? I don't know. God knows. Let him work that out. And if you think that you know, write a book, and sell millions of copies, mail us a few. Anyway, so let's go to verse 3. So the issue is they did not mix faith with the promise, therefore they couldn't enter in. This is huge for where we're going in this chapter. For we who have believed enter that rest, just as he has said, as I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest, although his works were finished from the foundation of the world. (laughs) If If you take the time to just read the word, do you see what he's saying there? He's saying they couldn't receive what he'd already given them. He didn't have something else to give them that he'd not already given them. He had declared it from the beginning that they could have this. It is finished already, but yet they couldn't receive it. Why? Because they didn't mix faith in their hearts. Now, we're going to talk about that, try to get a little bit more practical toward the end of this. Let's keep going in Hebrews 4. For he has said, somewhere concerning the seventh day, and God rested on the seventh day, from all his works, and again in this passage, they shall not enter my rest. That was his response to some of the Israelites. Therefore, since it remains for some to enter it, it, and those who formerly had good news preached to them, failed to enter because of disobedience. The disobedience of faith. That's the disobedience that he's speaking about. The disobedience was they didn't mix faith in their heart with the promise. Now, that then ripples out to following false gods and the murmuring and the complaining. See, religion, performance-based religion looks at the externals and then blames God or attributes withholding from God. You You see what I'm saying? Like as if God is withholding something because your performance is causing him to withhold something from you, as if he's playing chess with the externals of your life. But what he's saying here is that It remains a rest for some to enter it. Uh, Those who formerly had good news preached to them failed to enter because of disobedience. They failed to enter into the rest because of their disobedience. He had previously described what that disobedience is. They didn't mix faith with the promise. That then manifested in their actions in chasing after false gods. Verse 7, he again fixes a certain day today. Saying through David, after so long a time, just as he has uh, been, just as has been said before, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Now, where are you going to hear his voice from? Because he's speaking, but he also has spoken. This is what I want to talk about. Can you go back into that word? and live within it, abide within it, allow it to abide within you? Or do you get bored with it? Do you get bored reading the Bible? Do you get bored in certain worship? Do you get bored with, you know, those things that are at one time to you incredible revelations? Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. And we talk a lot about the heart in in this environment. The heart is the new you. It's the new man. It's that inner man that has been renewed. It's the place where God pours His love into you. God sheds abroad His love in your heart so that you will allow Christ to dwell in your heart. Now, for me, that's Ephesians 3. For me, allowing Christ to dwell in your heart is not necessarily when you get born again. That's talking about that anointing that abides within you, being alive with it, being alive in that inner man, that, that part where you are strengthened, where God strengthens you in your inner man so that you experience His love to the fullness of God into a place of wholeness. So, allowing Christ to dwell in your heart, being strengthened in your inner man, is the same as saying that the Word of God is alive within you. Now, the Word of God is alive, but is, is it alive in you? Just like the Israelites, he had spoken a promise. It was a promise to go into a land of milk and honey, to go into a land where they would live in homes that they did not build, to go into a land where they would reap from gardens that they did not plant, and God would be with them and protect them and make them a nation of priests unto the, the blessing of the entire world. That was what they were hopeful for. But they, some of them could not enter in because they'd hardened their hearts. And ultimately, that was the disobedience. They would hardened their heart to what he had said, to his voice. We don't live by bread alone. We live by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Let's keep going. For if Joshua had given them rest, he would not have spoken of another day after that, which is where we are. Verse 9, so there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God for the one who has entered his rest has himself also rested from his own works as God did from his. Therefore, this is the paradox of the century. Therefore, let us be diligent to enter into that rest. Work hard to enter into the rest. Again, whatsoever things you pray, if you believe, that you have received, they will be yours. Be diligent to enter into that rest. Mix faith with the promise. Don't harden your heart. It's what we're talking about. It's making our hearts sensitive to the Word of God. Our hearts are being fed with all kind of information from the world, and people are talking about how from now on life's going to be different. Well, so what? The Spirit of God isn't different. The promises that He has for us aren't different. The Word of God isn't going to change. What God has planned for you will not change. It's up to you. How are you going to respond in this process in the middle of a crisis by the Word of God being alive within you or the false prophets on the news media that are casting negativity and death and destruction? Uh, you know, and I'm not talking about the scientific elements of what happens or what doesn't happen. I'm talking about the... the, the psychological impact on the world. That's what people are saying. The world will never be the same again. Well, praise God, we are in the world, but we're not of the world. I don't live by what the world experiences. Amen. I live by the word of God that is alive within me. Amen. Amen. Uh, verse 10. For the one who has entered his rest has, also, has himself also rested from his works as God did from his. Therefore, let us be diligent to enter that rest so that no one will fall through following the same example of disobedience. The disobedience was not the worshiping of idols. That was the fruit of the, dis- the disobedience. But the disobedience was not mixing faith with the promise in their heart to the point that it was alive within them. He says it. He even points to it in the middle of it. Do you hear what he's speaking? Then don't harden your hearts. What did he speak to them? I'm bringing you out. All of those promises that he'd made that group of people, they didn't take him at his word, even though they'd just seen you know, all those plagues and, and how, they, how God delivered them. Let's keep going. Hebrews 4.12, For the word of God is living. It is alive. This is what I'm talking about this week. The word of God is alive and active. I love that that word is. This is the uh I think it's the New American Standard Bible. For the word of God is alive. It's living and active. I mean, just think about that for a minute. You know, the word is not just scripture. It is, but it's also living. You know what I'm talking about? You've read the word before and you've seen letters on a page and you fall asleep. All right? You guys ever done that? Like, I, I'm going to get up every day and I'm going to read at 630. Well, well, now I feel guilty. Darn it. All right? And then sometimes you read it and you're like, oh, my gosh, this changes my life. What in the world? I've never seen that before. And, and you're excited about it. And it's nourishment for you. And, it, it, you know, it does something for you. And in those moments, that's when it's growing unto manifestation in your life. You know what I'm talking about? We've all done it. Uh, so the Word of God is alive and active. It's active. This, this is where I'm drilling down here to what we're going to do with this this week and hopefully beyond. <clears throat> it's alive and it's active. So the written Word and will confirm what He is speaking to you in this moment. But you, if you don't hear a message from God, that's okay. He's already given you one. The Bible is full of messages from God. Read it. <laughs> uh, it's, so the word of God is, a, I was going to finish my thought on word. The word is the word logos, and it's uh, where we get the word logic from. And the Eastern world looks at it as the way. The way is defined as the, the hidden intelligence behind nature. The seeming uh, understanding that organizes and compels everything forward is the way. There's a popular mindset, the web that has no weaver. So it's like you recognize that there's an order to things, but you don't know who's done it. Well, we know who's done it. It's the Lord. It's his logos. It's his logic. The logos is also the character behind the words that are spoken. It's like the rhema that's spoken. It's the character behind the words that are spoken. It's, 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 so if God says something, it's the intelligence but it's also the character behind the word that he has spoken to uphold that word of himself. It's just up to us to receive it. And we, I think we've done a poor job of talking about the receiving, and it looks like name it, claim it, and the whole prosperity gospel and all that, the stuff that people attack, but that's, it's, it's a, it's an, it's an, I'm not saying it's preached immaturely, but it's understood from the wrong circles immaturely it's not it's not researched enough it's just attacked even though the people that are preaching that kind of stuff may could say things differently i get what they're saying but there's still something to be learned from that so the word of god is alive active sharper than any two-edged sword why is it sharp and piercing as far as the division of the soul and spirit where that have been given all things will be yours. That's the division of soul and spirit. That's where the word of God goes. The word of God, the logic of God, how God thinks, the explanation of the farmer cast seed in the ground and he doesn't know how it works. He goes to sleep and he wakes up. There's that rest that he enters into and it's producing. You mix the faith within there. If you, could, if you could put faith anywhere, put it where the word of God goes, where soul and spirit are divided, where that manifestation point happens. That's where it needs to be. And, and you don't get to understand things logically. You just get to believe things there, and then when it's real to you, you don't need understanding because then you just believe it. You just know. Piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit of both joints and marrow. Then it goes physical. Are you seeing the progression here? I, I see kingdom fruit seed growing here. It's like the it's like the word of God. It's spiritual. Creeps into your life where soul and spirit where where spirit then meets soul, then joints and marrow. It's like a progressive manifestation here. This is something that happens a lot. The more that I study the word, the more I see the exact same concepts spoken in different ways over and over and over and over. This is very simply. The Spirit of the living God is within you. There are promises that He has for your life, and if you believe them, it will come to pass in your life. It's the Mark 4 principle everywhere. I think this is one of those areas where Jesus meant, if you don't understand this parable, you're not going to get anything else that I say, which indicates if you do understand this parable, it will shed light on everything else that I'm going to teach you. I think this is one of those examples. You, you can see it. The Word of God pierces spirit and soul joints and marrow, able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And when it says judge, it's not talking about to exact punishment. Jesus already took all that. It's the course correct. It's to put things back right. The word of God will help you get your thinking straight, help you get your thinking from illegal thinking to legal thinking, specifically the terms of the new covenant. That's what the word of God will do. Read it, meditate on it, pray in it, till it becomes alive. Memorize it, whatever. Don't just sit there and think, God, what am I supposed to do? Read the written word of God and it will inform all of the stuff that you're trying to hear from God on. Are you with me? So, and there's no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. And this is the last couple passages. Therefore, Since we have a great... now, And so it's kind of like he wraps it all up by giving us this picture that Jesus himself is upholding all of this rest that we can enter into. It's on him. It's not on us. Therefore, since we have a great high priest... Well, let me clarify that. It is on us to believe. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession, our confession of faith. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. Because, see, this, if you catch what he's actually saying here, all right, let me finish and then I'll explain. So, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are yet without sin. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that your inner man will be strengthened and empowered so that we may receive mercy, remember that you're forgiven, and find grace, empowerment, strength in the time of need. He just preached a very uh, direct message of personal responsibility, right? He says, look, these guys, there was a promise that God made. These guys could not receive it because they didn't mix faith with the promise in their hearts. Now, there's a rest for you that's in Christ. Make sure you're not hardening your heart and end up in the same place. But don't forget Jesus is on your side. He ends it with comfort and compassion. He preaches. He knows what our reaction is going to be when we're preached personal responsibility to believe. If you're not receiving, it's because you've hardened your heart and you're not letting those promises manifest in your life. It's not because God is withholding. There's just no other way to see it if you honestly read Scripture in terms of how God wants to get His spiritual blessings into your life. And I'm sick of the church being externalists and judging everything by behavior rather than what's really going on in the heart of people. Because the external stuff is just a sign. It's just a manifestation. It's important because it shows us what's going on internally. But the focus should be on the internal. Not you, but the word in you. So he says, but I hope that you see that, the human aspect of what he's done here. He preaches a very direct personal responsibility message. And then he ends. I'll read it one more time. We don't have a high priest. He knows what you're going through. He knows you're weak. He, he knows because he's been there. He's been tempted. He's had to believe. He's had to keep the faith. He had to go into the desert and face the enemy and remain faithful. He had, to get, he had to resist sin to the point where it created so much stress in him that he literally bled. And the sin that Jesus resisted was to do things his own way. Father, if there's any other way, let's do this. Let this cup pass before me. Three times he prayed that. In the Garden of Gethsemane, I don't want to do this, but yet nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. He fought that battle of temptation and resistance to the word of God and the promise of God for us so that we can enter into that rest. The diligence that you do is take that word, take the life of Christ, take take what he learned through obedience, make your mind come into agreement with it, and then go to sleep. In other words, rest in him because it's going to work. And the only thing that keeps it from working is the lust of other things, the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the pride of life, all of that stuff choking. (laughs) Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace. We We go in confidence to him to be empowered and strengthened subjecting and submitting ourselves to that word. The instructional parts, too. You know, there are absolute instructional parts in there that we should live by and apply. It's not legalistic to see instruction in Peter or some of those other uh, books, New Testament, New Covenant books, where there's a scripture that's directional to your behavior. That's fine. Just don't let it affect who you think that you are in Christ, but take that instruction and live well within it. So the word that you allow to live in you will bring you rest. I've got a couple of phrases here that that I want to boil this down to and then talk about some practical steps, and then we'll close. You don't need a new word. You need a living word. When you're in crisis, for some reason, we go and we try to hear God. God, what am I supposed to do? And you can go back to the word. I have this question. Can you be moved by what he has already said or do you feel like you need a new, fresh word? Think about, think about how you've been praying. God, what am I supposed to do? Like, you, like you're wanting him to tell you what to do now that the world is in the condition that he is. And that's a good thing. You're going to him to be influenced, but you might not feel like you're hearing something fresh and alive in this moment directly spoken out of his mouth right now if you don't. Join the club, go back into His Word, find something that does address the situation that you're in, and sit in it. Rest within it, because it is just as alive and powerful as anything He might speak to you two seconds from now. Now, prayerfully, you do hear specific instruction in this moment right now. How to handle your finances, what to do about your job. But you're not going to hear those things if you're not settled and confident in what He has already promised to you. When you know what he said, you will clearly hear what he is saying. I think this was the first thing that I I heard in terms of this uh, message is that when you know what he said, you will clearly hear what he's saying. I'm pointing that door. I hear somebody out there. When you know what he said you will clearly hear what he is saying. Do you know what he said? Specifically about your situation. God can quicken his word in you, whether it's something he spoke 3,000 years ago or three seconds ago. And I'll post all these up. We'll have a blog out. Abide in his word, and his word will come alive in you. Amen? Amen. And Zach, do you know how to do that? Do you know how to sit in it? Till it comes alive within you. So, here's what I want us to do, and you know maybe maybe we'll get a little bit more focused on this, and we'll pick one. I'll jump into the our, our Facebook group. A lot of you watch on our page, and then you'll also watch this from YouTube and other places that you'll watch this from. And you may not be active in our our group, our church group, so you may miss out on some of this interaction. <coughs> but you can still uh, utilize the same tools. So, here's what I think would be. A good idea. And again, we're talking about how to hear God in a crisis, whether it be what we're presently experiencing right now with this coronavirus and the economic impact and the psychological impact, but even beyond, 10 years from now, when you're in another crisis, whether that different crisis is, you know, the same types of crisis or not, the same method can be applied here. So what I think would be a good idea is... Read the Bible. What a concept. I just preached for an hour to get to the point to tell you, read your Bible. (laughs) Start a daily reading plan. And my wife has been talking about this. We're going to pick one for our family. We've done different ones, but we're going to get a little bit more intentional about this. But I'm going to, this week, probably tomorrow, jump in the Forward Church Facebook group. Make sure that those of you that are in there, which is really kind of our internal discipleship community, I know some of you are not on Facebook, but if you get the emails, all the same information will be in there. You can go to my website, clintbyers.com, and uh, sign up for those emails. So start a daily reading plan, and I will recommend these particular uh, resources. Version. Which is, I think it's just called Bible. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Let me pull it up. Yeah, I think it's just called Bible. Yep. It's Bible. It looks like a little brown Bible with a red bookmark. But that's a, that was actually developed by Life Church. I think they're out in the Dallas area, but they had a tech guy come in and and develop that. It's incredible. It has all kinds of different translations within it and uh, devotionals. Now, Bible Project, most of you are familiar with. Maybe you're not. If, you're, if you are not familiar with, it, it was The Bible Project, but they've rebranded. It's just Bible Project. Their videos are excellent. So their videos, what they do is they'll take a book of the Bible and make a 10, 15-minute video to give an overview of that entire book. And I personally have found, have found it to be very helpful. Very, very helpful in terms of seeing the big picture. You know, their, their, their whole tagline is that the Bible is a story about Jesus. What is it that they say? How do they, they say it better? Anyway, go to their website and check it out. So Uversion is an app, and then Bible Project is an app. They have a couple of different apps, but it's a website that has a ton of videos. They have a YouTube channel that might be actually easier to access. I pull up their videos on our smart TV and watch YouTube, and I'll I'll just watch their videos, just click through. They have topical videos about holiness and and different subjects, but their biblical overview videos are great. So I would recommend that if you're wanting to read a particular book of the Bible, watch one of their videos on the overview to get some context and then read that book. In fact, when you're reading the Bible... It's a good idea if, you know, a lot of people just kind of skip around. Most of us don't really read it, unfortunately. But when people do read it, we either, like, like, I didn't know anything about the Bible. I thought it was a book. Like when I first got saved, it's a book, which means you start at the beginning and you read till the end. Which you can do that. But I got over to where Abraham was giving his wife away. And I'm like, this doesn't make, because my perspective of the Bible was everybody in there, I didn't, I didn't really have one. But I discovered that I thought, you know, I did, I guess. I thought everybody in there was perfect, and this is about God, and then there's this guy giving his wife away. I'm like, I don't, this doesn't make sense. I just closed it. But I had this personal relationship with Jesus that then led me back to Scripture once I actually heard somebody describe the difference between the, you know, the uh, pre-cross, post-cross Scriptures. And I've also discovered that people get really confused. They don't understand When you say Old Covenant, that we are not under the Old Covenant anymore, people hear, well, you're throwing out the Old Testament. In other words, all of those books of the Bible. No, that's not what we're saying. All of those books are absolutely valid, but there is a covenant described within all of those books that God had with Israel that is done. It is obsolete. Jesus fulfilled it, created a new covenant in the blood of Christ, which does not invalidate all of those Old Testament books. So I, I would encourage you that when you have conversations about Old Covenant, New Covenant, and you're trying to help people understand where we are now, make sure that, you're, that they understand that you're talking about a difference between the Old Testament and the Old Covenant. You're not throwing out all those books. You're just talking about the agreement that God had with the Israelites temporarily until the New Covenant. It's, it's, it seems elementary, but unfortunately, that's where a lot of people are in their biblical knowledge. They don't know. They think that you're saying, well, just throw it all out. Anyway, let me finish this idea here. So YouVersion has a bunch of um, devotionals that you can sign up for in their three-day, seven-day, 21-day. There's even some year-long Bible reading programs that are excellent. I'm actually subscribed to a few of them, and so I will jump in. I've got a... I've got a, a straight through the Bible one that I'll go into. I don't listen to that one every day. And I I do end up listening to that one, but I'll read along sometimes too because it will read it to you. Um, But I would recommend if you do the listening option, don't check out, you know. Don't be doing your dishes and out there cutting your lawn because you probably can't hear it and you're not paying attention. If that works for you, that's fine because you're getting it in there. But I would say do it at a time where you can actually... Engage your heart with what it is that you're reading and listening to. So, there is now a Bible Project devotional in the U version app, which is excellent because the Bible Project app would go through all the videos and, but it didn't read it, and it and it was not quite as organized as the U version stuff. So, if you want a straight through the Bible. Go find, and I think there's actually several Bible project um, devotionals in, or reading, I guess they call them reading plans in UVersion. There's several different Bible project reading plans. And go, just go in there, you know? Go see which ones seem appealing to you, maybe some New Covenant stuff. I can't remember the numbers, but if you read like 12 chapters a day in the, in the New Testament, you can read the entire thing every 30 days. I can't remember the exact number of chapters, but it's not that many. So, And then there's also dwell. Courtney, I know you're a big fan of dwell. You like the, what is it that you like? You like that you can put it on, like there's a space there, and it kind of met, repeat the chapter. Why don't, you, why don't you come up here and tell your experience with dwell? Maybe people, Maybe that'll be helpful for people. <clears throat> Because I have Dwell, but I'm less familiar with it. Um, I'm more familiar with Version and Bible Project. But, yeah, tell us what you like about Dwell.
1: Yeah, um, I'm really excited to share about, you know, this app, Dwell. You guys, it's not a free app, so you do either have to pay monthly or for the year. I think the year is $30. But... Uh, just something that i've been doing in my life personally a lot is i'll listen to a chapter and dwell which it has the whole entire bible um in there you can listen to it's all audio and they have different they have different plans that you can listen to in there they have they'll have a list of like healing scriptures or identity scriptures and it'll just kind of play through these different scriptures but the main thing that I like personally about it is listening to one chapter over and over and over again. I'll even find myself listening to one chapter, like just one I've listened to a lot is Philippians too about putting on this mind, this mind of Christ, and it kind of goes through that. I'll listen to it for like two hours. I'll listen to one chapter. And, you know, in between at the end, you can kind of, um, one of the cool things about doing this is that you can put piano behind it. Yeah, you can you, choose
0: the music. Yeah, days, you can choose cool. different
1: music yeah. to go behind or it. Or
0: random and it'll actually change. Yeah. So Like like if you're listening for an hour or so, it, it won't just stay on piano, you can, piano, acoustic guitar, it'll change throughout yeah. the hour.
1: There's also, um, I think there's like six or seven different, um, Voices. Voices yeah. that you can, you can listen to, like, if you are this, there's an African guy that's on there. You can, he's got, you know, just that African, you know, dialect. And so, yeah, it's a really great way. I just find it really just, you know, what Clint's talking about, getting this word in our hearts. It's just a really great way to do that, you know? And so, uh, yeah, it's a great app. I encourage you all to jump on there and get it,
0: so. Yeah, we're not paid by Dwell, but it is a good app. (laughs) You know, it it makes me think about wrestling. I wrestled for years, and I had a great coach, and we hated him at the time (laughs) because we would do mat drills and takedown drills and then wrestle every practice. And I'm talking an hour of, like, almost an hour, maybe more of mat drills, and then an hour of takedown drills, and then you would wrestle. But what it did was that you became so familiar with those moves that when you were out there on the mat, that type of practice led us to state championships. And, and I won region and won some matches in state, but I would never, you know, you'd never, you're never out there thinking, okay, I need to, you know, high single, I need to, you know, uh, snap right now. Or you're, not, you're not thinking about what you're supposed to be doing. You just, you feel what needs to happen in the moment, and it comes out. That is what happens when you take the time to put the Word in there, and it's not a religious exercise. And, and, and I'm telling you, I know, I know what's happened. I know that people have been made to feel like you have to read the Bible, you have to know the Bible, you have to memorize the Bible. But you do. You have to know it. You have to get it in there. Because when you're doing life, you want it to naturally come out, and you don't even have to think about it. And then you look back and you realize, oh, that's this scriptural principle. Oh, my thoughts are being influenced by this because this is what God said here, and this is what Paul said to Timothy here, and, this is, and, it, just, and it just comes out. And so you, you learn the Bible more conceptually than anything. Now, some of you that are more detailed-oriented people, you're going to want to remember chapter and verse. I would say suspend that for a moment. Suspend that at times when you are listening because what you want to do is you want to get the concepts you want to understand. It's like what I was talking about. I see the Mark 4 principles so often, so many times. I see in Ephesians 3 that, that uh, we are strengthened in our inner man. It never mentions the word grace, but to me, that is the clearest functional description of what grace does in the heart of a human. And so when you have this word, it, it, so then here's what's fun is when you have it in you and then you start to live life and then you start to need to hear from God, then the pieces, all the oh, and this, and all these, and God will custom build a revelation for you in the moment based on what's already in there, but it needs to be in there. And, And I'm telling you, there's just no substitute for getting the written word in you because you can then live from it. It can become alive within you. Amen? Amen. So I pray that you will do that. And again, I will, in the Facebook group, we'll all interact, and, you know, maybe you guys can jump over there, and we'll talk about it, and we'll, uh, maybe we'll pick a church-wide plan that works for us. We'll start with something uh, easy, and then kind of facilitate some some daily Bible reading and go back in and talk about what we've, you know, what we've read for that week. And um, we'll do it here on out, you know, we'll do it here on out. We don't have a lot of local programs in our church, but I think what this is teaching us, I mean, the technology already existed, but maybe this is something that we can engage in for more of that, you know, another layer of disi- digital discipleship, we could call it, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves when we can uh, <clears throat> for that relational aspect, that Looking into each other's eyes and being with each other and hearing about what's going on and hearing that tone and inflection in each other's voice and all of those social cues that we pick up on of how people really are doing, you know, because it's it's hard it's easy to lie behind a keyboard. We all know that. So let me pray, and then we'll talk about a couple of um, other things that we've got going on. Maybe some opportunities to serve. Put your attention on the Lord, you know. And and here's here's what. If you can, just make this decision. I will spend time in God's written word so that it will become his living word in me. I will not carry condemnation. I will not carry guilt. I will not put time constraints on myself. I will find what works for me as far as time of day, resource, how to engage, but I am making the commitment to allow his written word abide within me so that it becomes his living word within me. I want to live from that word that has come out of the mouth of God. Father, I thank you that you are alive. I thank you that your logic, how you think, how you uphold things is alive and that it is within me <clears throat> and it is discerning and judging the intents of my heart, and that it is course-correcting me. Even without it being a, a conscious process, I yield to your transformation. I yield to your shaping hand within my life. And I will let your word abide within me. I will take, intentionally take your word and put it in me so that it will become alive and something that I can live from when I need to hear from you. I can hear from you at any moment because you've already spoken. And I thank you that you are continuing to speak and that you're active. I just speak life over those that are listening, our local congregation, as well as those that are beyond. There's a lot of people that call this their home church. <clears throat> Father, I thank you for the opportunity to encourage, to speak wisdom, to, to disciple people through, this, uh, through technology. Well, I thank you for the opportunity. And I thank you that the body of Christ walks in a revelation of our power on this planet. Well, I thank you that your body, your 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 priesthood, your your nation of kings and priests that are ambassadors of your kingdom, are receiving clearly the message from you that we have life and death in the power of our tongue, and we will speak life. We will not, uh, you know, minimize what's actually happening but we look at it from a kingdom perspective, and that is we have life within us. Your spirit is alive. There is a promise. Promises like none of these, you will put none of these diseases on us. We know that this is not from you, and we know that you've given us an immune system to attack and heal from these kinds of things, so we put that together, the spiritual promise and the physical reality of how you designed us, and we trust that that uh, you, you want healing. You want the restoration of your land. Father, I thank you that we have life within us. Your spirit is in us giving us life. And we will carry that into the world around us. Father, I thank you that there's wisdom for all those officials that are having to make all these decisions, the pressure that they're under, the in every nation. That's one thing that this virus is doing is it's It's reminding us all that we're human and we have a shared human experience on this planet. And I pray that as we come out of this, we have more respect and dignity for each other because we're all in this together. And I thank you that it's an opportunity for the church to, to rise up and bring spiritual meaning to that human existence. Father, I thank you. I love you. I trust you. I commit to being in your word and allowing your word to be alive within me. Amen, amen. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message. And thank you to those of you who support Forward Ministries financially. You truly are changing the way the world sees God. You're helping people detox from performance-based religion and experience God's love for them. We're committed to helping you renew your mind so you'll experience transformation and move forward in every area of your life. I pray you're making this heart journey. Visit my website at clintbyers.com for hundreds of free teachings and articles that will empower you to renew your mind and put on your eternal identity in Christ. I'm especially excited about my tools for transformation. that have original music and modern technology designed to help you slow down and connect with the Spirit of God in your heart. I'd like to invite you to partner with Forward Ministries. Help us continue to spread the gospel and develop resources that are empowering people to grow in their identity in Christ. Thank you again for joining me. I pray God's blessings and promises over you and your family today.